I had recently retired and felt lost. I had no purpose in life. I had purpose in being a game warden. I had purpose in being a Marine. All of a sudden, I had no purpose. Memories of war haunted me and wrecked me. Then my son gave me a verse. It was Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what I needed, to be saved. So I confessed and I believed. And I was saved. I was forgiven. I had been struggling with life and I'd been struggling alone. So I came here. That's when I learned how deep that forgiveness goes. Everything I had ever done, everything I would ever do, washed away. I used to think only about myself. What can God do for me? Now I think of others. What can I do for them? I want to show them how great the forgiveness of God really is. Because this is what we do. This is who we are. This is us. At Fellowship of the Rockies, we want to see people encouraged, forgiven, set free, empowered, and serving in the way God designed them. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is us. That's what I want to talk to you about this weekend. I want to talk to you about this word in our vision state, statement, forgiven. Uh, if you've been with us over the last several weeks, you know that we've went, gone into this series, This Is Us, and we've been getting looking at our, our vision statement. And this isn't a new vision statement. This is just fresh language to the vision that God had given us all the way back in 1995 when, when we planted Fellowship of the Rockies. We got to that place to where we felt like that our vision statement needs, needs fresh, fresh language, fresh words. And so I began asking God about that and what that should look like. And, and God took me to Matthew chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can either click to or turn to. Matthew chapter 9 is a story of, of a bunch of guys that took their friend. He was a paralytic. He was paralyzed. They took him to a church service. They took him to Jesus. Jesus has an encounter with this guy, and Jesus takes him through these steps. He takes him through the steps of our, of our vision statement. So if you're wondering where our words came from, where these steps came from, it came from Matthew chapter 9. And so here's what the scripture says, and started in verse 1. It says, in getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a, par a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And then down in verse 6, it says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. And when the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. So this is where our, our vision statement came from. And so one more time, I want you to see our vision statement. It simply says this, to see people encouraged, forgiven, set free, empowered, and serving in the way God designed them. And so when you look at this issue of forgiveness, you realize that this issue of forgiveness is, like, is critical. It's important. And Jesus, when he was teaching the disciples to pray in Matthew 6, 12, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And you should, and you should walk through this process to where you pray and you say, forgive us of our debts. That's what the cross was all all about is about this issue of forgiveness. See, the Lord's Prayer helps us to understand that forgiveness, a rhythm of forgiveness, 
is important in, in, to be successful in life, to be successful in, in, in our spiritual life. And so that this weekend, we're talking about this issue of forgiveness. We're talking about this issue of personal uh, forgiveness, where we, when we ask for forgiveness, we are agreeing with God with what we did was, was wrong, with what we did was sin, and we're admitting that, and we're confessing that. We're asking Him to forgive us, and then, and then, then, then we're making changes in our life according to that. And so if, you're, if, you, if you know Christ, if you're a child of God, when you and I sin, we're not, we're not losing our relationship with God. We're still his son, we're still his daughter, we're still his child. But what is broken because of this issue of conviction, what, because of this issue of guilt, what is broken is this issue of fellowship. And so the only way that I know to illustrate this is a story out of my life, and, and uh, it happened many, many years ago. It was when I was a very mature freshman in high school. And, uh, <coughs> and, and so I, I had a friend, and so my friend and I decided that we were going to play a prank at school, and, I, and so I, I want to be very vague about what we did because I, I don't want that to be the focus. And so we, we pulled a prank, and, and I'll just, you know, the vagueness of the story is it involves setting off some firecrackers in a classroom, uh, and, and, and as a result, we got to leave school. The whole school got to leave early. And so, uh, and so we developed this plan. We executed this plan in such a way that, it, that, that we would not get caught, so we thought. And so we, we did the plan. Uh, we got to go home early. And so Mark and I went home as heroes that day. So we went home. We went to Mark's house. We're at Mark's house. We're tossing the football back and forth, and we are celebrating what we did. Some of our friends are stopping by, and they're talking about what happened at school. And, and so about that time, all of a sudden, and, and many of you from my generation, you're going to remember this car, all of a sudden a car turned down Mark Street, made its way to Mark's house, and it was like, you remember those old station wagons with the with the wood grain paneling on the side? They're like a land barge. I mean, they just I mean they went on forever. And all of a sudden the car pulls up, stops, and we look in the car, and it's Mr. Wilson, our principal. And I'm like, hey, I didn't know Mr. Wilson made house calls. And so uh, so we're tossing the football and we're acting like Mr. Wilson is not even there. And so Mr. Wilson gets out of his car, and he's like this intimidating guy. I mean, Mr. Wilson had a shaved head back in the days when, when only Mr. Clean shaved his head. And so, uh, so he gets out of his car, and he digs in his back pocket, and he pulls out like this bag of red man chewing tobacco. He reaches in that, gets out some tobacco about the size of a baseball, and he stuffs that in his mouth. He spits a couple of times, and he says, Mark and Charlie, come over here. So we stopped what we were doing. We went over there and it was like, hello, Mr. Wilson, what brings you out today? And, and Mr. Wilson just looked at us, and it, it was like all business, and he looked at us, and he says, I know what you've done. You know what you've done. And so tomorrow morning, let me tell you how this is going to go down. Tomorrow morning, in first period, I'm going to call for you guys. And then when you're in my office, I'm going to call your parents, and I'm going to tell them what you've done. And then we can discuss the punishment. And so he says, if I was you, I would tell your parents tonight. It is much better your parents hearing it from you than it is hearing it from me. So I'm giving you guys the opportunity to tell mom and dad, and then in the morning I'm calling you out of class. Well, we finished what we were doing that day. I went back home. And, and listen, my, my parents at this point, they didn't know what I'd done. But when I stepped in that, that, that house, something was different. I had guilt, right? I knew what I'd done. Now listen, I'm, I'm still their son. I am still their child. 
But all of a sudden, the guilt is like overwhelming to where it affected, our, it, it affected our fellowship, not our relationship, but our fellowship. It affected our conversation. Uh, when I went to the, the dinner table that night, it was, it was awkward. So where many times that night, my parents asked me, Charlie, are you okay? I'm like, fine, because see, I decided it would be better that they hear this news from Mr. Wilson uh, than me. Because after all, Mr. Wilson's the professional. He should, be, I mean, he should be skilled at giving parents information like this. And, and this is like, and I'm not. So I decided, you know what? Mr. Wilson should tell him. And so I went through the evening without confessing, without telling my mom and dad. And it, it affected that evening. Why? Because of guilt. Listen, let me tell you something. Nobody likes guilt, right? There's not one of us that, that enjoy guilt. In fact is, the only way to avoid guilt is never do anything wrong in your life. Just live a perfect life and you'll have no guilt. But guess what? None of us can do that, right? We all sin. We all make mistakes. We all blow it. And so, but we live in a society that is trying to deal with guilt. And the way society deals with guilt is we've just become a, a blame society. We, like, we have no-fault crimes. We have no-fault accidents. Or, or we blame everybody but ourselves. It's not popular to blame yourself. It's not popular to admit that you've done something wrong. So you know what? We do something wrong. We blame our parents. We blame a mom. We blame a dad. We blame a, a principal. We blame a school. We blame the government. We blame the police. We blame our boss. We blame uh, uh, a friend, we blame a husband, we blame a wife, and we go through life, and guess what? That will never get rid of your guilt. Fact is, the Bible tells us this, that there's only one way to get rid of guilt. There's only one solution, and that is forgiveness. And there's only one source, and that is God. And there's only one way to get it, and that is to ask for it. That's why Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer that you should often, you should often say, forgive us, forgive me of my debts. Because there's something about walking in forgiveness. So this, morning, this afternoon, I want you to understand God's forgiveness. I want you to understand how God forgives us and what he offers to each one of us. So the first thing is this. I have four things this morning or this afternoon. The first one is this. God forgives instantly. God forgives instantly. This is the most amazing thing about this story in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Again, it says, And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And we know because Jesus forgave him, then healed him, we know that his actions caused his consequences. His actions caused his situation. In Scripture, whenever Jesus just healed someone without forgiving them, then whatever, whatever ailment, whatever problem they have, wasn't a result of their actions. So all of a sudden, we know that this guy being paralyzed, we don't know what he did, but we know that it's consequences to something he's done. And so you see this. Jesus forgives him instantly. And it goes on, verse 6, "...but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins." He then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose, and he went home. In other words, God forgave him instantly. I mean, it was instant. It was immediate. It was without delay. And God is willing to forgive you now instantly, without delay. I mean, he didn't tell the paralytic, will you make some changes? We'll see how you do. Uh, you know, I'll watch you for a couple of weeks. See, a lot of times with this issue of, of God's forgiveness, we confuse it with human forgiveness. Human forgiveness usually is a lot different than God's forgiveness, wouldn't you say? There are a lot of people that, you know what, they won't forgive you instantly. 
They're going to make you pay. They, they're going to make you pay. They're going to make you, they, they want you to know that they know that what you have done is like horrible and painful. And then when you've paid enough, when you've suffered enough, then they'll decide to forgive you. But see, that's not God. God says that, you know what, I'll, I'll forgive immediately. In other words, when, when, you, when you see this in Scripture, each healing in Scripture was like final, whether it was leprosy, blindness, deafness, lameness. You never see that it, that it like reoccurred after Jesus like healed them. You never see someone come back to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know that, that physical healing that you gave me? It's starting to wear off. And the same is true with a spiritual healing. You're forgiven. And it doesn't wear off. In other words, once you accept Christ, once you become a believer, it doesn't wear off. You're always a son and a daughter. You're always his child. And when we sin, it doesn't break our relationship. We're not kicked out of the family. And when we sin, it breaks the, it breaks the, the fellowship. See, unfortunately, human forgiveness is so different than God's forgiveness. And I think that's the reason we misunderstand God's forgiveness. God never makes you wait. God, it's, it's just instant. It's just immediate. It's just the moment you ask, it's without delay. In other words, this, you don't have to carry guilt. I mean, if that's true, and it is, should a believer ever feel guilty? Absolutely, for about 30 seconds. That's as much time as it takes to feel conviction, to know what you've done is wrong, and then to ask God for forgiveness, and then to turn to someone and ask them to, for forgiveness. Listen, forgiveness is yours for the asking. He not only wants to forgive you, but he wants you to come to this place in life to where you feel forgiven. I mean, God wants you to walk in freedom, and we're going to talk about this in Set Free when we get to that word, set free. But God wants you to walk in the freedom that he has given you. In other words, he doesn't want you to carry this guilt. He doesn't want you to carry this load. I, I mean, I, I think about that night with my parents, and I think that night would have gone probably so much better if I just confessed it, if I just said something. I mean, Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. So the first thing is this, is God forgives instantly. The second thing is this, God forgives completely. God forgives instantly, and God forgives completely. I mean, it, it's salvation that, that when you accept Christ, you're totally and completely forgiven. You're deeply loved in him. It doesn't wear off. It's like instant. Colossians 2.13 says, And you who were dead in your trespa trans trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands that he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So when Jesus died for your sins, which ones did he include? All of them. It includes all of my sins. It includes all of your sins. Oh, and guess what? It, it, it includes past sins, and it includes future sins. It includes the sins that you, that you haven't even done that, you, you don't even know about, but that you're going to do. But God knows, and the cross, the blood of Christ, covers them. Every sin, every mistake, every failure, every flop, 
every, every error that we make. In other words, that we are totally and completely forgiven. And he says this, makes this statement in the scriptures. He says, canceling the record of debt. In other words, it's gone. That's why 1 Corinthians 13 says, true love, perfect love, love keeps no records of wrong. Much different than humans, right? There's a lot of people that, you know what, they keep, they keep a ledger. And they keep a ledger of wrongs of what other people have done to them, what other people have done to hurt them. And so a lot of times we think, you know what, that's God. That's, you know, God, God when he forgives, it's not, it's not really complete. It's kind of like partial. And he kind of he remembers that. But, but the scripture says that Jesus forgives completely. He wipes it out. It's not partial. It's complete. And God does not, listen, some of you just need to hear this this afternoon. God does not hold a grudge against you. He is not angry at you. And you know what? That's good news because it's instant and it's complete. It says this. It says, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. In other words, Jesus was nailed to a cross so you can stop nailing yourself to a cross. So you can stop punishing yourself. So you can stop nailing yourself repeatedly on a cross. Jesus, Listen, Jesus took your place. And so you don't have to go around beating yourself up, beating yourself to death, trying to pay a penalty. Listen, the penalty has already been paid. And the scripture says that he paid the penalty in, in full. I mean, how long do you remember a bill once it's been paid? I mean, on the 15th, I, like many of you, I paid some bills. I paid some utility bills, some water bills, electric bills, um, some, some general house bills. And you know what? Here's what I noticed when I was paying those bills, and I'm thinking about this sermon, I'm thinking about this scripture. You know what I noticed with those bills? Once I paid the electric bill, I never thought of it again. Why? Because it's paid. It's paid in full. It's, it's gone. I mean, the moment I paid the bill, it's like done. Jeremiah 31, 34 says, And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. In other words, this, God has the power, of course, to remember your sin. But God chooses not to. Isn't that amazing? That the creator of the universe chooses not to remember your sins. In fact, the scripture says this, that, that God does not treat you as your sins deserve. That it's not only instant, but it's complete. And when he forgives, it's gone. And there, there's some of you that you're going to get to heaven and you're going to look at God and you're going to say, God, let me ask you about that, that sin in my life. Let me ask you about that pet sin or that, that sin that for whatever reason you never got victory over, for whatever reason you, could, you, 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 could, you, you weren't that same person, you had repented, it's something that happened in your past, and whatever reason it continued to give you guilt, and you get to heaven and you ask him, what about that sin? You know what God's going to say? What sin? It's under the blood. It's forgiven. It's gone. Heaven is not the place where we give account for our sins. Heaven is the place. 
to where we're in, in, in perfect communion with God. And then we are rewarded for how we live our Christian life, how we stewarded our time and our talents and our resources for him in the kingdom. That's why our vision statement is so important to us, to where we want to see people encouraged and, and forgiven and set free and empowered and serving in the way God designed them because of that issue. And so you come to the place, you call it what it is, you identify it in your life, you ask for God for forgiveness, and God forgives you completely. Listen, if, if you do not believe that you are completely forgiven, yeah, I tell you, I, can I tell you the rhythm that's going to be in your life? And it, it's just difficult. But if you do not believe that you are completely forgiven, then every time something bad happens to you, you're going to think God's getting even with me. You lose your health, you lose a relationship, you have car trouble, you get a flat tire, you have an unexpected bill, a friend leaves you, you go through difficulty in life, a friend dies, whatever, and you're going to think, listen, if you do not believe that God completely forgives me and there's still some sins hung out in my past, then you're going to think, you know what, my whole life God's trying to get even with me. He's trying to settle the score with me. It's so important for us to understand that God forgives us instantly. God forgives us completely. And the third thing is this, that God forgives us repeatedly. This is crazy to think about. When you just start looking at the forgiveness of God, it is a crazy theology. It's crazy when you pull out the scriptures that God will forgive you repeatedly. You mean to tell me that God will, repeat, will, will forgive me for if I commit the same sin more than once? Absolutely. Listen, we all have bents. Because of the fall, because of our flesh, we all have bents. We all have different temptations in life. Whether it's anger, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's lying, whether it's cheating, whether it's stealing, whether it's an addiction, whether it's something like that, to where we all have different bents. And if you're trying to work through the issue of anger in your life and you lose your temper and you say some things you shouldn't do and you do some things you, you shouldn't do, that, that the scripture says that God will even repeatedly forgive you for that. And this is what 1 John 1, 9 says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, there was a time in my Christian life that I thought, Man, I don't know when I was working through some issues in my life, and we're all working through issues, right? When I was working through some issues in my life, and I'm like, I don't know if I can keep asking God for forgiveness for the same sin over and over and over. I mean, does he get, does he get tired of that stuff? I mean, the Scripture says that, listen, part of God's character is he's a loving God and he's a forgiving God. Look at this. Uh, Hebrews 7.25 says, Consequently, he is able to save the, the uttermost, the, the, those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. In other words, he's always waiting to forgive. He's ready to forgive instantly and completely and, and repeatedly. And I don't know why so many times, listen, so many times we procrastinate in confessing our sins. And we need to learn to keep short accounts with people and with God. To where we come to that place to where, you know what, when we say something, we do something that we shouldn't have done, to where we quickly, when we feel that guilt, we feel that conviction, we quickly ask God to forgive us, we admit what it is, and then we turn to the person, we say, you know what, please forgive me. That comment, that word, that actions, that thing, that, 
that was out of bounds, that was unfair. Would you please forgive me? I do not know why we procrastinate. You know, me not talking to my parents that night actually made the situation worse. I thought they'd rather hear it from Mr. Wilson. You know who they wanted to hear it from? Me. Why? Because we have this relationship. They wanted me to know that I, I trusted. I, I knew consequences were coming. Why is it so many times that we, we sometimes procrastinate with God and we're willing to carry some guilt because we've never come to the place to confess, admit, accept forgiveness, and then to make changes in our life? And I'm learning that guilt is a, is a lot like garbage. And, and um, you know, one thing about the house, you've you got to take garbage out regularly, right? I mean, the frustrating thing about garbage is, is you got, you got to take the garbage out regularly. What if you never did that? What if you never did that in your house? And then all of a sudden in, in your kitchen, you like, you like fill up that, that kitchen garbage can. And so you go to the store instead of taking them out, instead of getting rid of it, you go to the store and you buy a bigger garbage can. And you put a bigger garbage can in your kitchen and you fill that up. And then all of a sudden it is smelling and it is stinking up the place. But you know what? You've gotten accustomed to the smell. You've got accustomed to doing life like that. You're losing your freedom in the house. But you know what? You're not taking it out. And so all of a sudden you fill up that garbage that garbage can, and it's flowing over. And she says, I know what we'll do. We'll go outside. We'll get the industrial strength, the industrial-sized garbage can, the one with wheels on it on the side of your house. We'll just wheel that into our kitchen. We'll fill that up. And so all of a sudden, you fill that up, and then you go down to the store, and you get a small dumpster, and you put a small dumpster in your kitchen, and then you fill that up, and it's like overflowing. You say, I know what we'll do. We'll call, and we'll order an industrial-strength dumpster. We'll get one of those dumpsters that show up at houses when they remodel, they do construction, and you take that thing and you shove it into your house and you shove it into your, your kitchen, and then all of a sudden, you know what happens if you don't take it out? You fill that one up, and before long, nobody wants to come to your house. You cannot move around your house and use your house for once what it was designed for. Why? Because of all this garbage. You know what we call people like that? Hoarders, right? And sometimes we watch them on TV and we say, I cannot believe they would live like that. I cannot believe they wouldn't throw anything away. I cannot believe they wouldn't get rid of that garbage, that stuff in their house. Why do they keep buying a, a bigger can? And you know what? There's a lot of people that are guilt hoarders. And you're not getting rid of it. And you've come to the place to where you believe this is life. I just got to deal with the guilt of the past. I just got to deal with the stuff of the past. And even though you're not living in freedom, you're not living the life God designed for you, you're, there's no real joy in your life because all the guilt and the junk of the, of the past is affecting you. And that's why Scripture talks that God forgives us instantly and completely and repeatedly. Man, it's why we, we keep short accounts with him. That's why Jesus, in, in, in the model prayer, the Lord's prayer, said that we should pray, Father, forgive us. Forgive us of our sin. Forgive us of our debts. And then you turn, and you begin walking a new way. You begin walking a new path. The fourth and the last thing of how God forgives us is God forgives us freely. God forgives us freely. He forgives us instantly. He forgives us completely. He forgives us repeatedly. And he forgives us freely. 
In other words, Jesus Christ, God came to earth to, for, in, the, in the form of a man, and he said, even though I'm sinless and even though I'm perfect, I will take on all the sin, your sin and my sin. I will take on the sin of the world, and I will pay for it because I, I'm perfect and I'm spotless, and I've never, ever sinned in, in my life. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, this, we're all in the same boat. There's a not one of us that can live a perfect life. There's not one of us that get through life without, without sin. Now listen, when I say that God, God forgives freely, it doesn't mean free to mean inexpensive. It costs God a lot. It costs him himself. It costs humiliation to come to earth and to die on a cross, paying for your sin and, and my sin. The scripture says that when Jesus died, he outstretched his arms and he made a declaration in English. He said, it is finished. But in Aramaic, he said this. He said the word tetelestai. Now listen, the word tetelestai doesn't mean a lot to us. But in their culture, in their time, it meant a lot. There were several different ways that this word tetelestai was used in their culture. Um, it, it, it simply meant it is finished. So a servant would use this word to tell us die when their master gave them a task, gave them something to do. They would go away, they would do that task. When it was complete, they would come back and they would say to tell us die. In other words, the job is finished, it's complete. A priest would use this word to tell us die. A priest's job was to get a, a sacrifice, an offering uh, ready for the Lord, ready for church. And so they would make sure that it's spotless and it's blameless and it's pure. And once the priest did that, he would, he would say, to tell us die, it is finished, it is perfect. See, Pilate did this after the sixth trial with Jesus in Luke chapter 23 when he says that, that I have examined him and I find no fault. He is perfect. He is without sin. To tell us die. And then, then Pilate said, you know, you can have him, but I washed, uh, I wash, sorry, this Texan came out, worse. Uh, <laughs> I wash my hands. Of, the, of his blood, his blood is not on my hands. An artist would use this term, tetelestai. When an artist would finish a painting, before an artist would like sign the painting, they would step back, make sure it was complete. They'd say, tetelestai, it is finished. A, a merchant would use this, this term. A merchant in their time would use credit and give credit, much like we do in our culture. And so they, they, would, keep a, they would keep the title of something. And as the person was paying on it, they would note it. They would mark it. And then when the day came that the bill was paid in full, they would take out a stamp and they would stamp on there to tell us die paid in full. A prisoner would use this term. When a prisoner was sentenced uh, for, for X number of years and they served their term, and when they had served their term, as they're leaving, the warden would take their, their charges, the, the legal document, and stamp on it to tell us die, it is, it is finished. And so beyond any question, Jesus paid the debt for our sins. And through repentance, we are, we are made whole and the debt is paid. Our sins, in other words, were laid across him on the cross. And across it, he cries, to tell us die. It is finished. You, when you meet Christ, when you begin a journey with him, you are forgiven instantly, completely, repeatedly, and, and freely. Listen, if, if you're walking around and you're carrying, you're carrying guilt, that's unnecessary because it's already been paid for by Jesus Christ. And you need to come to the place of your life. To you confess those sins, you repent and change direction in your life. 
and know the freedom that he, 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 he offers you. This, this is the whole message. This is the gospel. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a results of works, so that no one may boast. In other words, salvation, it, it's a free gift. And so how to be forgiven? You simply come to that place in life and you admit, God, I know my sins have separated me from you. And I ask that you come into my life to forgive me of my sins. And I believe, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, that, that he paid for the, my debt on the cross and that he was sinless and that he was perfect and he was a son of God. And I commit my life to you. And what scripture says is it is instant, it, it is complete. And then God forgives us as we start that journey with him repeatedly. 1 John 1, 9. If you'll confess your sins to him, he is faithful and just, and he'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. There is no reason to walk through this life with guilt. Unless, of course, you refuse to ask for forgiveness and you refuse to repent and change your life. There's something for every one of us for this morning. That's why in our vision statement, this is so important to us that we want to see people. We want to see people encouraged, forgiven, set free, empowered, and serving in the way God designed them. Because that's the picture of the Christian life.